It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you here tonight as we look to recap UFC Fight Night Makachev versus Moises, which took place on Saturday, July 17th at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, as always, great to be back with you guys. I uh, got a lot of housekeeping to get to uh, in in short succession, and uh, honestly, not a whole lot to get to for this uh, this fight card. Uh, I kind of uh, I kind of figured so on the preview show, and sometimes I'm right, but uh, sometimes I'm also wrong. Uh, as much as it pains me to admit that, but uh, a ten fight card, and uh, you know, not a lot of ranked fighters, not a lot of uh, uh, diamonds in in the rough. And uh, really not a whole lot of talking points. Uh, I hope you continue to tune into the show. I realize this is not the, uh, the best way to start off the show, telling you that the card fucking sucked, uh, which it didn't. You know, just a little lackluster. You know, sometimes we have some of these, but uh, I promise you there are some talking points to get to. And uh, the biggest talking point to get to was NSS 47. It was the penultimate uh, main card showdown. It was the Bouse Cup Finals for the 2020-2021 uh, inaugural main card showdown season uh, only a two fight only a two bout card uh, we had Ely taking on uh, Gooseman for the finals and then in the uh, consolation uh, bout we had uh, Reagan taking on Quincy Reagan uh, getting the dub 46-45 closely contested he was leading uh, I believe he was leading by three heading into the co-main so Quincy made it close but, uh, you know, good for Reagan. Gets a third-place finish. Uh, you know, y- you like to see good stuff happening to, to good people. And, uh, you know, there- there's no better case of that than me beating Storm and Gary Gooseman. 50-47, round three K- uh, KO. And, you know, just utter utter domination. I mean, you know, it's fitting that I would win the inaugural uh, Bouse Cup Finals. I mean, who else but the mailman just added to my... You know, long list of accomplishments, not just in the main card showdown, but really just in life and uh, sports broadcasting in general. But um, yeah, you know, I I, I had beaten Gary Gooseman, uh, storming Gary Gooseman. It feels blasphemous not to have the storming part of it, but you know, I'd beaten him two times before, and you know, I, I beat him here. And uh, you know, I'm excited for the upcoming season. We have a big free agent signing. Uh, that we're going to announce at some point. I don't fucking know. Whenever I get to it. But before next Saturday, or actually probably on Saturday, because let's be real, I'm going to put it off until Saturday. But, you know, we do have a a new big name free agent signing to the main card showdown. And, you know, really, we've kind of worked out all the kinks in the main card showdown. So the second season, it's just going to be chef's kiss. It's going to be flawless. And, you know... We're going to get uh, Steve Young more involved in it. Uh, you know, we're going to... Maybe we'll get uh, Jimmy Sturmey back uh, in the main card showdown. I mean, we're going to have so many more, you know, special guests become uh, regulars in the main card showdown. And, 
you know, the, the timing is fortuitous because we still have two more events in July. So we still have time for uh, a World Grand Prix, which we haven't done in like two months because, uh, you know, the, the um, Bowse Cup playoffs kind of threw a wrench in that. Obviously, that takes precedence over uh, a, a Grand Prix, which is kind of unfortunate because we'll never have a, a June Grand Prix. Or maybe if I flip it around, I don't know. It's, it's so dependent on the schedules, but whatever. Uh, point being, Mailman's the greatest at this game. Uh, I think I've gone 18, 17 or 18 without losing. Uh, so, you know, that's pretty pretty impressive. Um, I think that's all the housekeeping I, I have to get to. We didn't do updated rankings yet. I know we normally do that the, uh, the night of the fight, but I'm a lazy bastard. And uh, there's only a handful of rankings changes, which isn't a good excuse. I want to be honest, Owen. That's not a good excuse. You know, I should have done it because there's only a handful of changes. But, you know, stuff happens. Stuff happens. So uh, look for that by the time this episode comes out that we have updated rankings. But I have not done them yet. So there's no better place to start than in the main event where Islam Makachev uh, extends his uh, winning streak, defeating uh, Tiago Moises in round four via submission uh, by a rear naked choke. Climbs to 20 and one. Um, you know, it's exactly what I thought would happen. Uh, you know, I, I the only difference was I thought it would be a, a TKO in round four. That was my pred- prediction. Islam Makachev round four TKO. Really, when you're dealing with a grappler like this, it's it's a dealer's choice, whether it's a submission or a TKO, because if you're so dominant on the ground, a lot of times they'll, you know, either you defend the choke and then just get punched out, or you defend the punches and you get choked out. It's dealer's choice. Re- Honestly, you know, you, you see like... Uh, Khabib's such a good grappler that all of his finishes should be uh, via submission. But, you know, sometimes people... It's up to your opponent whether or not they want to get choked out or knocked out, TKO'd. So, uh, you know, Moises chose to get choked out, um, which is a weird way of putting it, but I think that's fairly accurate. And, you know, I also said that would would impress me greatly if he were to submit such a credentialed uh, BJJ practitioner... Uh, like Tiago Moises. So, you know, I'm very impressed. He did what he was supposed to do, and a lot of the times that's the hardest thing to do, you know, to, to do what you're supposed to do. Um, and, you know, Moises, his striking had improved, and, you know, this wasn't uh, a walk in the park. Uh, but, you know, Islam was better with the striking. He only got hit 18 times by Tiago Moises. That's just ridiculous. I mean, we knew the crazy stats you know, uh, of uh, punches defended from Islam. And, you know, I was a bit perplexed. I understood why this main event came together, but this main event never should have happened. This is a... I'm not going to say a waste of a fight because it's his first main event. You win a main event, you are a main event fighter. You don't go down. If you fight in a main event and you win, you don't go back to the featured bout on a on a fight night. You are a you are a main card fighter or a a, a co-main on a pay per view, which is I don't know if it's better to be a co-main on a pay per view or to to headline a fight night. I was going back and forth thinking about that, and this is just a little uh, sidebar, but I think it's probably better to be a co-main on a pay per view just because you're gonna have more eyeballs. But you know, a fight night is built around uh, the the headliner, so uh, either way, this is good news for for Islam, and he should have fought uh, RDA. You know, he should have fought RDA, he should have fought somebody, he should have fought Dan Hooker, which we'll get to in a minute. You know, 
Tiago Moises, Islam's looking up. He was ranked ahead of him. He's uh, kind of weird to call him a prospect, but you know, Islam Makachev's trajectory is up, and he's looking down at Tiago Moises in the rankings. We don't have Tiago Moises ranked heading into this fight. So it didn't make sense. The only re- only reason it made sense is because it's a main event and it's an opponent who is actually willing to fight. You know, nobody ahead wants to fight, and that's a real issue for him. I mean, look at look at what happened to Ryan Hall. I mean, Ryan Hall went two years without fighting because nobody wanted to fight him. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, fighters have to have balls. You know what I mean? And, and this is for everybody else in, in the lightweight division. It's so stacked, and you can't blame people because this is just natural, but it's like, oh, I'm Michael Chandler, and I fucking, I'm the biggest Michael Chandler fan fan ever. And really, when I'm using him as, a, as, a, as an example, I could use anybody who's even a spot ahead of Islam as an example. But it's like, well, I don't want to fight Islam because he's, he's blowing me in the rankings and he's a tough fight and I don't really gain a lot from beating him, but I could lose everything if I lose to him. Fair enough. There's nothing wrong with that assessment. But, you know, at some point, these people got to fight Islam. And, uh, but unfortunately, like... Chandler's under contract, Islam's under contract, Hooker's under contract, but if if you say no, like, what the fuck can the UFC do? Like, you can't force, fighting as consensual, even if, even if it's begrudgingly, you can't force Islam to fight Michael Chandler, you can't force him to fight Dustin Poirier, they, they both have to agree, so if one side doesn't agree, like, okay, well then what the fuck do we do? Like, I don't fucking know. Somebody has to have balls. I think the guy who has balls is RDA. RDA was supposed to fight him, and then he served as the backup on the um, uh, the pay-per-view uh, two Saturdays ago. And so the timelines would, would make sense. You know, Islam didn't take any damage. RDA did have a weight cut. You know, how about in a few months we put that together uh, as, as another fight night or maybe put it on a stacked pay-per-view? But I like it. And, you know, I saw Islam throwing around some names. I saw him talking about Michael Chandler. That doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, you know, if, if I'm being completely completely honest, that makes no sense. Or I shouldn't say no sense, but it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Tony Ferguson, that was the one that a lot of people were talking about. That makes no sense. Tony Ferguson is on a three-fight losing streak. He is completely washed. He's been beaten. He's been 10-8'd for 15 straight rounds. That's not what you're looking for if you're Islam. I, I don't doubt it would be a tough fight, maybe. But, okay, say Islam goes out there and dominates Tony Ferguson, just brutalizes him. Okay, well, three fighters before you had just done the same thing. So you don't really stand to gain a whole lot. You know, you're just beating up on a washed-up fighter. And I don't think that's... Tony does have a big fan base, so that's an appealing part of fighting him. And there is a storyline, you know, he was supposed to fight Khabib, and, you know, this is Khabib's friend and whatever, but it's just not compelling enough. It just doesn't make sense. I I really like uh, the RDA fight. You know, I'd even take the Dan Hooker fight, but unfortunately for Dan Hooker, he's not much of a grappler. He is a good striker. So that presents a challenge. Islam's not a small guy for 155. Now, nobody's really going to have a height advantage on Dan Hooker. But Dan Hooker is in for a world of pain if he accepts that fight. I mean, I'm just being honest. He's in for a world of pain, so that's not even going to be competitive. But rankings-wise, that would make a lot of sense for, uh, for Islam. But either way, 
it's a good performance. You got to feel good for him. But I fear this fight is actually going to be counterproductive for uh, for Islam because it's just another guy who he dominated. I mean, who? Now, some people are wired differently, but who looks at this fight? Who looks at what Islam did to Tiago Moises and goes, yeah, I want to fight him. Like, it, it's it's just another name on a long list of names that, that are on this winning streak that he just dominated. I mean, it like, I, I fear that this fight made him more unattractive for prospective opponents above him in the rankings. So, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm of mixed feelings. And, you know, when I talk about stuff like this, I don't blame... Obviously, I mean, I feel like I have to say this, but I don't blame Islam Makachev. He's a he's um he's victim to his own success. You know what I mean? He's so successful that it's going against him. So you you feel bad for him. I blame everybody else but Islam. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see how this goes. But the one thing I don't want to see and that I fear we're going to see is somebody in their prime who's very interesting. I fear we're going to see another Khabib. I mean, it's crazy, you know, the, the the parallels are right there, but it's like, how many people turned down Khabib? How many fights did Khabib have before he got to a fucking title fight? It's like, ah, yeah, we might not see Islam in a title fight until 2024 because, you know, everybody's going to duck him. So, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. And then for Moises, I mean, I don't know. Keep at it. I like, you know, I like Moises. He's, he's grown on me. You know, the three fight winning streak was impressive. Uh... Obviously, after the loss, he's not in the rankings. He wasn't in before. But I, I don't just scoff at somebody who beat Michael Johnson, Bobby Green, Alexander Hernandez, and, you know, honestly beat all those guys pretty handedly. He, he beat them pretty handedly. So, you know, I think that's an interesting guy to uh, to look for. Uh, but, you know, he, he's going to have to take uh, baby steps at this point or maybe just not thrown into the fucking shark's nest uh, that is uh, Islam Makachev. All right, moving on to the co-main event. We had a uh, round three TKO win for Misha Tate in her return against Marion Renault. Um, I don't know what to say about this. I, I made my uh, opinion on this fight very, very clear uh, on the uh, preview f- uh, show. I do not care about Misha Tate returning. I really don't. I forgot it was Marion Renault's uh, retirement fight, mostly because nobody knows who Marion Renault is, nor do they care. But, um, you know, I don't know. I'll give Misha Tate props. You know, coming back after five years, uh, that's that's very impressive. That's uh, uh, people's good, good fighters. Some good fighters' UFC careers are not five years long. So to have a five-year layoff and come back, even if it is in one of the weakest divisions, uh, against a, a cherry-picked opponent who was just beautifully cherry-picked for this fight. You know, it, it, it is impressive. Uh, it is impressive. It took no damage. Uh, I like that she's not just coming back for a one-off fight because nobody cares about somebody coming back for a one-off fight. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. It's just... It, at the very least, it's just something to happen in the bantamweight division. And I, I don't really say that flippantly. I just say that because the female bantamweight division is probably the most boring division in the UFC. So anytime that there is literally anything happening 
you I don't know. It's just interesting. I, you know, I don't know. We're, we're still stuck with, you know, Holly Holm. I mean, Holly Holm's going to get seven more title fights before she retires, and Jermaine Durandamy will get some more title fights. We'll have, you know, Nunez versus Durandamy 5, uh, you know, at, at some point. But, uh, you know, I'm really rooting for my girl Aspen Ladd because uh, that's, like, the only young prospect in that entire division. So if Misha Tate can come back and actually beat, uh, you know, a, a solid opponent, then I'm interested. Then I'm interested. That's something new. But, you know, we're not going to sit here and, and uh, be some type of way about it. But, yeah, Marion Renault, 44 years old, literally no finishing ability, should not be in the UFC. Three-fight losing streak coming into this. Four-fight losing streak coming into this. So, you know, they put Misha Tate up against Pillow Hands McGee, who's, you know... I mean, some people are grandmas at 44 years old. So, you know... They didn't put Misha Tate in there against uh, Macy Chasson, you know, who, I don't know, maybe, well, actually, Macy Chasson beat Marion Renault, so we know she's a better fighter, but, you know what I mean, maybe Misha Tate still beats uh, a Macy Chasson or literally anybody who's not just a warm body, I don't know, Lena Landsberg, Sarah McMahon, I don't know, Julia Avila, but, you know, whatever, I don't know. I don't want to say mean stuff, so I'm just going to move on. All right, moving on here to the featured bout on the main card. We had a rather short one, a 65-second submission, uh, Kimura submission from Mateos Gamrot on Jeremy Stevens. Um, there's not a whole lot to talk about in this one, to be honest. I mean, he took him down and got him in a weird spot and uh, uh, choked him out. Good for good for Gamrot again. Uh, it's hard to give him props when he made it look so easy, but you got to remember he made it look so easy. Uh, also, props to Jeremy Stevens for extending his uh, UFC record for most losses. I believe he's at um, I believe he's at sixteen now, sixteen or seventeen. So you know that's that's impressive. That's impressive. Good for him. That's a record that will literally never be broken. So uh, good for him. Everything I said about him moving up to lightweight was completely wrong. Completely wrong. So, you know, I, I I don't know. You know, I thought he would have more energy. And in fairness, we didn't really get to find out. But, you know, when you lose that quickly, it's like the whole Demir Hadzevich, uh, Hinato Moikano. Like, oh, I wanted to show more. Don't You shouldn't have choked me out so, so early in this fight. Well, you sucked. You got choked out. Uh, you know, maybe his cardio was going to be better. Maybe his punching power was going to be increased. Nah. Yeah, just lost super quick. So, you know, whatever. It, it, it's a good um, uh, correcting of the court for Gamrot. Uh, correcting of the course, excuse me, for Gamrot. You know, you get the knockout of Scott Holtzman. Now you get a quick one over Jeremy Stevens. You kind of get over the weirdness in your UFC debut, the split decision loss to uh, Kuta Taladzi, which he did lose, by the way. I thought he lost that fight. That's not uh, a figment of your imagination. That's not a... Not a Fig Newton of your imagination, but, uh, you know, he should be poised to come back pretty quickly. I mean, he fought in April, now in July. I mean, why not come back in September? And honestly, you know, it's 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 tough. You know, you do the rankings uh, for the top 15, and lightweight is pretty deep. But if I had to guess, he's not that far away from being ranked. You know, you got to beat a ranked guy to get into the rankings a lot of the time. But... Uh, 
you know, Jeremy Stevens has been in the UFC for a long time. He has headlined fight nights. You know, he's he's been in there against a lot of world champions. And and Scott Holtzman, you know, pretty underrated fighter. I think he he had a loss before that to I think the fight before that he lost to Benil Dariush, but he was on a pretty good trajectory before then. So. You know, I, I'm I'm interested to see uh, all the hype that surrounds this uh, Polish prospect because he was fucking heavily hyped coming into the UFC. So we'll see how that goes. All right, moving on here, we have a uh, round three submission via a rear naked choke for Hidalfo Vieira on Dustin Stoltzfus. Uh, good win for Vieira. Really seemed to correct the uh, the cardio issues, which were glaring because uh, he gassed out in three minutes in uh, his last fight and got choked out by somebody who had no business choking out someone as credentialed as Vieira. Uh, I don't know about all the nonsense, all the psychological nonsense that he was doing and, you know, re-watching his losses and, and shit like that. I don't know. All I know is he, he looked he looked pretty good, honestly. You know, he's always going to have the advantage. He will always have the advantage on the ground so long as he's not gassed. I mean, Jesus, you could take the you could take Muhammad Ali, but if you gas him, then yes, you're going to get knocked out by a bum. I mean, cardio is so important. Especially if you're as big as he is and committed to fighting at 185. Even after watching this fight, I, I still would like to know what he looks like at 205. I, I really would. Now, I'm intrigued by him staying at 185 because he's going to be so much bigger. And if he gets you on the ground, then, you know, it's the, the show's over. And I don't think he's quite there yet with his cardio, but if he can improve you know, if he, if he improves as much as he did in this fight, in his next fight, then I, I am very interested. I'm very interested. Um, but I, I wouldn't say his cardio was, you know, insane. I wouldn't say it was great in this fight. And, you know, his striking has to improve too. He does get hit quite a lot, uh, which is to be expected from someone who comes from the, the background that he does. But it's just, you know, if you're getting... If you're getting touched up by Dustin Stoltzfus, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to work on getting hit. Uh, you know, Stoltzfus landed 83 strikes, 67 significant strikes, uh, and and Vieira landed uh, 52, 52 total strikes, 49 significant strikes for Vieira. So might want to work on. You know what he needs? You know what he needs more than anything? A really good jab. If, if Adolfo Vieira got a really good jab, because, dude, if you're throwing 97% or whatever the fuck that is, power punches, we probably should work on mixing them up. I mean, you know what I mean? So he, he needs to work on his, his uh, uh, defense and, like, just watch a whole bunch of tape on Kamaro Usman and just learn about a jab. If he gets a jab and can just keep distance and just has something to throw that's not a power punch and works on his cardio and I realize this is a fucking lot to ask but okay now now I'm really interested now we can talk about the rankings now we can talk about title contention uh you know if you can get those things in order but you know solid win you know you, you, you can you can tell a lot about a fighter uh about how they um about how they recover from a loss you know what they look like in their next performance especially your first loss of your career so 
nice win for him. As for Stoltzfus, I mean, I, I didn't really think much of him before the fight, so I don't have a whole lot for him. He just needs to get a win uh, in, in the UFC. All right, moving on to the main card opener. We had a win for Billy Quarantillo uh, in round three via uh, TKO against Gabriel uh, Benitez. Very solid win for Billy Q, who is slowly racking up the wins in the UFC. Uh, you know, he's got a little bit of a fan base. It's it's kind of easy to forget about Billy Q. You know, obviously, we know he was on The Ultimate Fighter uh, this season with Conor McGregor. Goes back to the regional scene. And this dude is... I, I think Anik said it on the broadcast. He's averaging a fight every three months. So this dude's really, really active. Uh, getting the wins. Uh, uh, Kirk on the uh, Contender Series. Kilburn, Spike Carlisle, Kyle Nelson... Did have the loss to Gavin Tucker, but a nice rebound here against Benitez. You know, if you stay active, good things are going to happen. I'm not going to pretend that he's anywhere near the rankings right now, but he's trending. He's trending well, and uh, he looked dangerous. He really looked dangerous uh, against uh, Benitez. Really was hurting him. Had him hurt several times. Uh, good wrestling, really, you know, wasn't that bothered by the leg kicks, or at least the potential of leg kicks uh, from Benitez, because, I mean, this dude kicks like a mule, but, you know, just just worked him, three of seven on takedowns, 179 total strikes landed, um, kind of a merciful stoppage, I guess, uh, you know, I, I hate to even bring that up, because I don't want to make it seem like it was a bad stoppage. Benitez is tough, probably too tough for his own good. Uh, he didn't have a chance of, of winning that fight at that point, but, uh, you know, great ground control from Billy Q. He seems like a really uh, cerebral fighter, and, uh, yeah, I, I think some, I, I think uh, somebody to watch out for. I mean, he puts on fun fights. I mean, that's the one thing you can say about Billy Q. He puts on fun performances. Got to get a little sip of the uh, the Gatorade there. Got to wet my whistle here. Uh, moving on here to the prelim headliner. We had a first round finish uh, from Daniel Rodriguez on Preston Parsons. Uh, kind of what I thought would happen. Uh, Parsons put up a, a good fight. And, I, you know, he, he was short notice, but... I think he's a really legitimate prospect. I don't think he was just some, you know, because sometimes you just you, you you bring up a bum from the regional scenes. Uh, you know, this guy had nine submission finishes uh, in his uh, nine professional wins, so he's a finisher. And uh, maybe he would have got signed by the UFC anyways. Maybe he would he would have got brought on to the contender series. Uh, you know, I'm sure if you're, I'm sure he was on the UFC's radar, so I'm sure he would have been on the contender series or. Or, or something like that. So, you know, he, he is a legitimate fighter. Obviously, this is uh, way too much, way too soon. Uh, and again, D-Rod did what he was supposed to do. This guy is such a good striker. Uh, 45 significant strikes landed. Really, really was piecing him up, hurt him. You know, the punch to the eye was, was kind of the end. Probably lasted a little bit longer than it should have if, you know, Rodriguez wanted to go in and just finish it right then and there, but you know, he did what he's supposed to do, and again, I, I say this every time D-Rod fights, and he fights very uh, often as well, probably averaging a fight every three or four months at this point in the UFC. Uh, 
he's undefeated. He's undefeated in in the UFC. I, I don't care what anybody says. He beat Nicholas Dalby, and I'll say that every every single time that you know D Rod is brought up. You know, in my mind, he's six and zero in the UFC. And Jesus, if you're six and zero in the UFC, can we have you fight a ranked opponent? I mean, I I really want a ranked opponent for D Rod next. I said this on the preview show. Stu's not getting any younger. He's 34 years old. Let's let's throw him in the deep end. Let's let's throw him in the deep end. I I want to see. Let's put him in there against a Neil Magny. Let's put him in there against a, 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 a well, I guess Lee Jianling is fighting uh, Chimaev, but you know, I don't know. Let's put him in there against a Muslim Salikov, a Jeff Neal, you know, somebody like this. I, I you know, when I when I see somebody who's so clear, clearly talented, certainly with uh, his striking, it just pains me when we just have him fight Mike Perry or Dwight Grant or you know, whatever, and you have to build yourself up, I get it, you can't just come in and fight somebody in the rankings, but I don't know, man, he, this this guy accepts any fight that's given to him, so you know, let's, let's give him a good one. Alright, moving on, uh, we got an interesting fight here, we had a 35 second knockout, uh, well, slash TKL, slash we'll get to it, uh, win for Amanda Limos against Montserrat Ruiz, uh, not a whole lot to talk about in this fight. Uh, it was a knockdown. It was not a KO. It was not a TKO. It was a KD. That's how I'm going to score this fight. Uh, one of the worst stoppages I've ever seen. A terrible stoppage. And quite frankly, a sexist stoppage in my opinion. Uh, I say that, I mean, tongue in cheek, obviously. But I, I tweeted this out. That's not a stoppage in any male division. That is not a stoppage. That is only a stoppage in in a female division, which is shitty. That's shitty. Now, some people could could hear what I'm saying and take it the wrong way, uh, and you're you're free to do that. Although you're an idiot, but that's messed up. That's messed up that that's a stoppage in in, in a female division. You know who that's messed up for? Both fighters. That's messed up for Amanda Limos because. Now people are going to question her win. Maybe if the fight was allowed to continue, 10 seconds later she finishes the fight, lands a couple of more punches, and finishes the fight. Then nobody questions her win. Then it's an amazing, stellar performance. But because we stop it super early, well, now that, now I have questions. Now that's unfortunate. Now That's bad for Amanda Limos that that fight wasn't allowed to continue. It's shitty for Montserrat Ruiz because... She probably feels like I didn't lose. I got up right away. Sure, I was a tiny bit wobbly. You just got punched in the head. You know what I mean? But she was perfectly still in the fight, and she was robbed of uh, an ability to be a warrior. And again, I kind of say that tongue in cheek because you know, there's a fine. Not only is there a fine line between getting knocked out flat, getting beaten like the referee is Steve Mazzagatti. And, and you're Priscilla Cashweda and your opponent is Valentina Shevchenko. But the, we, don't, we don't have to have fights stopped after a knockdown, one knockdown 35 seconds into the fight, and we don't have to let people get their brains bashed in. There is a whole gray area. Everything exists in between. So can we find something in between? Maybe let, her, maybe let Lemos land two more punches, and then we call the fight off. Maybe we give Ruiz a second and a half 
to show an ability to recover, which she showed she did, so that we can have some finality to the fight. I'm not saying we have to let Montserrat Ruiz get her head turned into fucking jam, but can we give somebody the ability to fight? Because now that's shitty. Now that's that's shitty. It's the shit. It's the worst for Ruiz. For Lemos, she wins. It's kind of it is very controversial in my opinion, but it's a win. But for for Ruiz, you know, I I, I was listening to the uh, post fight show for the UFC, and Michael Chandler and Michael Chiesa said they didn't have uh, a problem with the stoppage, and they said that uh, you know fighter health is fighter health is paramount, so it's a good stoppage. You know what's paramount to fighter safety? You know, you know what would be really good for fighter health? Not putting on a single fight. If we care about fighter health, let's not fight at all, because that's the best for, for fighter health. Okay, so let's not fight, because if you fight, it's dangerous. Everybody knows what they're getting into when they fight, and that had nothing to do with the safety of Montserrat Ruiz. She was perfectly fine, and... It's easy to say that. It's easy to, to, to you know, hide behind the, the health of the fighter. But that's a loss for Montserrat Ruiz. She could be cut. As I turn off my uh, alarm there. That's okay. That will not throw me off. Um, but she could get cut. Now, she won't. I don't think she'll get cut. But if you lose a fight, you could get cut. You can't get cut on a win. You could You could get cut on a loss. What if they decide to cut her? Now, that's unlikely, but what if she goes out and fights again and loses that fight, and now she's on a two-fight losing streak, and they cut her? Or you know, sometimes it takes three, but you know, the point being, it's a loss that's not good for your career. You, you know, a, a lot of the times, a loss is equal to two wins. So now she's two wins away from where she just was, because you got to beat somebody they're going to have you fight somebody below you. You got to beat them and you got to come back up and, you know, get the win just to be back where you are and whatever, even say, fuck that equation. But point being, it's a loss. She did, you know, she gets fucked out of half of her money because she, you know, she didn't have the chance to go out there and fight and, and maybe get a win. It's a loss on her record. She's further away from a title shot. She's closer to getting cut. I mean, so it's easy to say, it's easy to say fighter safety, Okay, well, whoever lands the first punch in a fight should just win the fight because, well, you landed the first punch and, well, we don't want anybody else to get punched because, you know, fighter safety. So it's, it's just a shitty thing to do. I, I don't like to see stoppages like that. And I, I do think it was a sexist stoppage. I don't think you would ever, I don't think you would ever see that stoppage in the men's bantamweight division or any other division. That's just beyond a Mickey Mouse stoppage there from whoever was drafting that fight. I, I don't know who it was, but whoever was whoever decided that was a stoppage is uh I don't know. They they, they, might, they might be smoking. They might be smoking something out of a light bulb as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but I digress. Uh moving on, we had a, a nice performance from Sergey Morozov as he gets the unanimous decision victory against Khalid Taha. Um no question about it. Just uh, a, a solid win for Morozov. It's what he needed uh, following the loss to Umar Nurmagomedov. Gets his first win in the UFC, you know, against uh, uh, Taha, who, you know, some people had some expectations for, uh, for, and he hasn't had the toughest, or he hasn't had the easiest route in the UFC, and, and now he's kind of racking up the losses a little bit, but, you know, 
I think Morozov looked good. His striking looked dangerous. He had Taha hurt, uh, you know, several times in in the fight and landed six takedowns, six of 16. So, you know, I, I like the well-roundedness. We'll see how that uh, goes for him as, uh, you know, the, the, the competition gets stiffer and stiffer. But, you know, a well-rounded guy looking to take you down, uh, you know, and, and control you. You know, some people might have said he was playing it a little bit safe in the third round, trying to hold him down. I like it. That's just safe. That's just fucking, you know, mathematically what you should do. And he was still swinging in in the third round. I I think he was still going for the finish. You know, this guy was a champ over in uh, M1, which is a legitimate organization. So, again, the rich just keep getting richer. I, I mean, this bantamweight division, I mean, Jesus... We're going to have to start doing what boxing does. And either we're going to have to get multiple belts for the bantamweight division, or we need to have a a fucking super bantamweight division, a light bantamweight division, you know, like two pounds away from each other. It's. I don't think this division can handle any more prospects. I mean, I've never. I've never seen a division flourishing this well. Obviously, I always talk about it with the top 15. You know, got these young, hot prospects already in the rankings. And you, you have old legends like TJ Dillashaw and Jose Aldo and Dominic Cruz and Frankie Edgar. But then, like, Sergey Morozov and fucking... Every single week, there's a new bantamweight prospect that just, like, announces themselves. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm very, very excited. I mean, we're going to have people who might not ever crack the top five in this division who would have been a champion if they were just existed in 2013. So... I don't know. I'm very excited about the bantamweight division, if you can't tell. All right, moving on. We had a unanimous decision victory for Malcolm Gordon over Francisco Figueredo. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say on this one. I did not watch this fight super closely. Um, The parts I was watching made it seem like Figueredo won, but apparently that uh, just wasn't even close at all. Gordon outstruck him uh well by by twice i mean he had double the output although uh they they were both landing a lot of punches uh, or at least a high percentage figueredo landing 74 gordon landing uh 69% nice uh was far more active on the takedowns i, I don't know we're talking about unranked uh band or uh, flyweights excuse me unranked flyweights so i do not have a whole lot to say about this one and I don't have a whole lot to say about the uh, prelim opener between Rodrigo Nascimento and Alan Badeau. Nascimento winning in round two via a TKO, a standing punch, standing punches TKO. Uh, good, good performance, performance for uh, Nascimento. I mean, uh, dude's got some some uh, some grit uh, to put it nicely. I mean, Badeau came out guns blazing. Uh, he really was hurting him. He really couldn't miss. Uh, you know, he was landing right at the end of uh, you know the extension of the of the punch, and uh, definitely won the majority of this fight. But when it mattered, uh, you know, Nascimento started to get some momentum uh, probably midway through the second, and you know, not longer than 90 seconds later, you know, gets the gets the finish uh, against Badeau. So. You know, some nice tough toughness that you like to see in the uh, heavyweight division. He lost some weight coming into this fight, so he doesn't have to cut down uh, past the limit, which is a start. I'd like to see him at around 245. 
uh, because I don't like to see any heavyweight near 265. That's just a recipe for uh, wasting your career. But, you know, a, a good win for him, 28 years old. So, you know, pretty young to be in the heavyweight division. And, you know, got got whooped on by Chris Dawkins. But Chris Dawkins looks very legit. So, you know, a lot of the times, you know, you look at uh, some of these young fighters, young in their UFC career, and they're like 1-1 one one or 0-1 oh or whatever. But, but the loss is to such a good up-and-coming fighter and it's revealed over time that uh you know maybe that's the case with nascimento it's revealed over time like oh no this guy's actually pretty legit he just ran into the fucking wrong guy the wrong guy early in his career so maybe that's the case with him i'd still like to see more I, i would like to see him not get his head punched in for you know the first six minutes of the fight that would be a good um excuse me a good a good start but you know getting the uh the dub is the most important thing so props to uh rodrigo nascimento all right well with that we've reached the end of the uh the recap here so again you can follow me on twitter at owen ely mn you also can follow north star sports on twitter at north star min check out our website at northstarsports.media we will have the updated rankings uh probably by the time you're consuming this podcast and, uh, you know, stay tuned. Stay tuned. I mean, we're going to have the preview shortly for uh, UFC Fight Night Dillashaw, or excuse me, Sandhagen versus Dillashaw. And, you know, the, the new season of the main card showdown, season two, back with a, a vengeance. So very exciting things, are, you know, around North Star Sports, just in general. You know, the mailman might have some announcements at some point, but, you know, very exciting times. So thanks for tuning in, everybody.